Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast, where we explore the exciting science behind heart rate variability. The material discussed in this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. Please check with your medical provider to make sure any suggestions or strategies are right for you. Visit us at the OptimalHRV.com website to learn more about the Optimal HRV app, download a free copy of Matt's book, Heart Rate Variability, and also get show notes and additional resources around heart rate variability and its applications. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. Jeff Summers here, joined by uh, my partner in crime, Dr. Dave Hopper. Howdy. Dave, how are you doing? Doing wonderful on this Friday morning. You got it. Right. <laughs> Begin to the weekend. Exactly. And couldn't be more excited to have a, a, a new guest on the podcast today, Dr. Elizabeth Turner. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing very well. Uh, I was telling you guys right when we got on that, I found my son in the garage trying to eat ice cream <laughs> at 6.55. So if the alarm to your house doesn't wake you up, I don't know what will. That is, is quite an interesting way to start your day, you know, and mm-hmm. he's going to wake you up. At least it's just trying to get ice cream. It could be a lot yeah. worse, I suppose. So we compromised. I put sprinkles on some yogurt and we called it good. <laughs> That's pretty much ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. Same <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's right. How'd the older one take it? Did they get some sprinkles on their yogurt too? You know, the, the two-year-old's just along for the ride. She could care less. She just wants to do everything her brother does. So next thing we know, luckily she's short, so I don't think she could get into the garage if she tried. (laughs) Oh, okay. Got it. So it was the older one that was, uh, that was in the the garage, not the younger one. Oh yeah. The four-year-old. Okay. Mm -hmm. My mistake. I love it. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining. We're super excited to have you. Um, you know, would love for you to, to maybe give the introduction. Obviously, I can introduce you, but you're going to do a much better job. I'm really excited to have somebody in the in the field of dentistry joining the, the podcast today. It's not something that we've we've had the opportunity to really focus on to, up to this point, but I, I know we've had a lot of interest from dentists uh, around the country, really around the world, um, sort of reaching out, getting more information on on really HRV. Um, at a high level and how they can apply it in their dental practice. So we're super excited to, to have you on board to talk a little bit more about how you're using it and, and you know, your, your kind of um, use cases as a dentist around, you know, all the cool work that you're doing. And, you know, for, for our, our podcast listeners, uh, Dr. Turner is our family dentist. She does a phenomenal yeah. job. Our kids love her. Uh, we love her. She's, she's amazing. And, and uh, you know, again, really excited to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, so I you, mean, you very serendipitous that we ended up was. together. I'm pretty excited. So uh, absolutely, you got it. Yeah. Um, so my my name is Liz Turner. I'm a general dentist. I've been a dentist for gosh 11 years now, and for the first six of those, I was tooth doctor. That's all I did. I didn't really understand the mechanics of the mouth the interconnection to the body. And I just knew I was missing something. I thought I was in the wrong field. I didn't really like what I did. And then I had my kid and everything kind of turned upside down because from there, I started to recognize the impact of the tongue on oral development, the tongue on the whole body, the impact of the shape of our jaws on breathing and sleep quality. And from there, everything just continued and does continue to snowball in my knowledge on occlusion and TMJ. And it's been a really fun journey. 
that is uh, that is awesome. So, uh, it, it, and it's amazing how a kid can change your perspective on, on literally everything. Everything, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. So, what was it? Uh, if you don't mind sharing, uh, what was it about your child that uh, that led you down this path? Sure. So, I actually thought I I was like I should have been a chiropractor because they they like put stuff together. They they look at the whole body as a system. And I just look at the mouth because that's what we learn in dental school. We, we look at the mouth and we have some very introductory classes on some things, but nothing to do with tongue mechanics, nothing to do with sleep. There's one minor lecture in your first year by some specialist who comes in and you don't remember it because you're too busy studying for 14 other exams. So I had my child and I was like, Ugh, this is one like, he's tough. I thought babies were supposed to be like, cute and like <laughs> kind of be quiet sometimes he just cried and cried and cried and the thing with parenting is like you have no other reference point so my That's reference true. point was my kid was a nightmare my husband yeah. would sing him 90s rap songs in lullaby form for two hours to try to get him to go to sleep and the nurse in the hospital had pointed out that there was a mild tongue tie and it's kind of like now I joke because it's like being mildly pregnant it doesn't exist you either have a tongue tie <laughs> don't it either needs treatment or it doesn't and there's symptoms or there's not and in the end he had a symptomatic oral restriction that led to the decision to have treatment completed well three days after that my son was five weeks old my father-in-law had a heart attack due to years of undiagnosed sleep apnea and afib and i'm just a dentist but i've been saying he'd be throw clot for a number of years because he wasn't he was improperly anticoagulated but it's neither here nor there could we have addressed the root cause because when i look in his mouth he's got in dental terms a posterior crossbite basically his teeth are uh out of whack they're not lined up the way that they should be his upper jaw is way too narrow his tongue's sitting down low down in his airway but he's six two and slender so nobody ever thought he had sleep apnea he had a stutter at the age of four that was never really addressed and when we start to look at what the tongue did to his mouth or didn't do when it didn't cause it to grow, it ultimately led to poor quality breathing and sleep that could be a major contributor to him having a heart attack and nearly dying. So when I started to look at my patients, when I got back to my practice, I was like, oh no, this is rampant. How are we missing these things? And so once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I'm sure you guys have noticed that in your own journeys with looking at HRV and your own journeys with yourselves and your families and your patients, that once you start to see the nuances of, of this big picture, you can't help but put all the picture pieces together over and over and over again. Indeed. And uh, so Liz, it is, uh, it is so awesome to hear that story because I have almost the exact same story on how I got into the whole airway issue and everything. Because uh, my, uh, my father had a heart attack as a result of undiagnosed obstructive sleep apnea and nobody even knew what it was. Mm -hmm. And they said, and they said, well, yeah, just, just eat better Mm -hmm. exercise here and there. And he's like a, a pretty built dude. So it's like exercise more like, (laughs) um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, that these things can go undiagnosed for so long. Um, and then especially when you get into children with the, um, with the tongue ties, I'm so happy that you brought that up so early on. And, um, and I do want to really dive down that path with you too, because uh, that's, uh, that is something that really needs to be uh, talked about and, uh, and addressed more often than it, than it is. Unfortunately, as you know, um, that there's a lot of dentists out there who don't 
you know, you're in everybody's mouth and, uh, and there's a number who just don't even see it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome that you, uh, that you mentioned that. Um, but, um, with that, uh, with when did you start bringing HRV into the picture? So I started diving into sleep in a number of years ago and in doing so started using some of the sleep tests that are FDA cleared for uh, HST, so home sleep testing. So uh, the Aries, the watch pad, there's a number of different ones, but the big problem I was finding was disposables are expensive and getting those reports read are expensive. And as a dentist, who's not a sleep doctor, who's not getting paid or doing medical billing to do these, where was my ROI? So I brought in a, a device that is a cardiopulmonary coupling unit. It uses HRV along with some respiratory data to get just a little bit more detail than um, something like the aura ring and things will. It is an FDA cleared medical software that can measure sleep quality. So it is something that I can actually submit the data and have it read by a medical physician, a sleep physician, if we are looking to get a diagnosis of sleep apnea for an oral appliance or for something um, along those lines, jaw surgery, oral appliances. Um, so I use that daily. We send it home with patients all the time because a lot of times I can tell that somebody has significant sleep disordered breathing, like to the point that they should be on sleep app based on the oral health. And that could be periodontal disease. It could be tooth wear. It could be tooth loss. It could be a mal and patty score. It could be signs of acid reflux. It could just be the bags under their eyes and the fact that I can see up their nose and note that there's a deviated septum and they can't breathe for the life of them. And when you start asking patients these questions, you know whether they're interested in getting more data on themselves or not. I find when it comes to airway health that it's really gotta be somebody else's decision. So the patient needs to own the fact that there could be something going on for them to actually accept the idea of any treatment. And at the end of the day, I just want people to be healthy. There are patients that I can certainly do my stuff on and bring in money to my practice and support what I do. There are certainly patients that I know will not be great candidates because they're a little bit too far gone. They probably need a CPAP. They need nutritional counseling. They need a lot of different stuff. They need their blood pressure evaluated again, even though they just saw their physician three months ago and they're apparently on medication, but they never picked it up. So a lot of these people I'm really concerned about from an overall health standpoint. So we use the cardiopulmonary coupling, which is HRV in our office daily. I think the thing that I'm really excited about is the push for the daily use of personal HRV devices. So Aura Ring, Whoop, things like that. Because when I start to bring this stuff up to patients, I say, oh, is, is that an Aura Ring? Do you, trap your, do you track your data daily? And I say, oh, yeah you know, last night wasn't a good night and this night. And so they can give me a little bit of insight into how they're feeling to almost just validate the stuff that I already know is happening. Um, so, so I use it as a patient education and patient awareness uh, tool. Uh, that is, uh, that is so great. And, uh, and 
absolutely uh, needs to uh, needs to be happening more and more, right, Jeff? That's uh, that's that's why we are uh, that's why we feel we are on this planet, right? Um, exactly. That's right. No, that's that's why we're here. Especially, you know, as it relates to working with the, the practitioners and the, and the medical care professionals, you know, there's really not, you know, you mentioned those other products, which are great for sort of personal monitoring, um, you know, sleep in particular, but, you know, when you kind of apply it to HRV, you know, how do you communicate that and how do you communicate your journey with the, the care providers that you work with? So, you know, that's, that's, that's what we're here for and exciting, always exciting to hear from you know, people like you, Dr. Turner, who are you, you know, talking to your patients about this? And, you know, I know Dave, Dr. Dave does the same thing. Um, you know, this is uh, front and center in the conversations he has with his patients, which is fantastic. So, uh, Dr. Liz, when I, so I would use a, an HRPO device, a high resolution a pulse oximetry device that I would send home with patients to do, um, to do a three-night reading with, uh, where you could see RDIs, um, your respiratory disturbance index and your AHI is your apnea hypopia index. Um, so I would use that as well. Uh, and then I would use that in combination with a separate HRV device. Um, so I love that yours uh, seems to combine all of that stuff uh, into one. So that's a, that's a pretty unique feature. I like that. And uh, I know you had just given me the name of that. So I'm going to, I'm going to look that one up. Um, yeah. And that's, I think the interesting thing from a dental, dental perspective, there's, a number of continuing education tracks, it, there's big, big names in every industry, right? And one of the big names has really brought in uh, high-res pulse oximetry into diagnosis and treatment of oral health. And ultimately, when we can catch this stuff, we can prevent our dentistry from failing. And so for other practitioners that could be listening, if you're not interested in treating sleep, that's okay but the awareness of issues related to sleep disorder breathing and ultimately HRV are going to have an impact on your successes and failures. And if you have those patients who come in and they broke, they debonded their veneers, they broke their implant crown, they've fractured the porcelain on a crown you just put in three weeks ago, there is a reason that this stuff is happening. And if you can just catch some of it before it does, you can prevent a whole lot of headache for yourself is what I've found. Oh, that is so awesome. There, there's so many things that you've said already that I just want to be like, yes, <laughs> preach on. Um, so, so, so great to hear that, right? Because I, because if a patient is snoring um, and they're breathing uh, day and or all night with their mouth open, how does that affect their oral health, right? Uh, that's, that's not a positive thing, correct? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, when we when we assess for airway health, and I just use that as a blanket term, I'm assessing all ages. And I do use this cardiopulmonary coupling device the, as in children as well, because it is FDA cleared for children's use as well. And so I find that kids are the place that we really have the ability to make the greatest impact because we can change their growth trajectory. We can change their health trajectory and we can prevent them at least some of the headaches or remove one of the factors from the difficulties of life moving forward. I mean, chronic health diseases, anxiety, depression, um, dental issues aside, all the health stuff that goes along with this is really impactful that we can help with. So when I look at mouth breathing, I look at it from infancy on. We as babies, we're obligate nasal breathers. And when we don't have success from the first latch, 
those turbinates in our nose are never going to reduce in size and we are going to continue mouth breathing. Couple that with improper swallow patterns and likely we're going to be taking in some air into our bellies and we'll probably show up with reflux or colic type symptoms. And colic isn't a diagnosis, it's a blanket term. When somebody doesn't know what's going on, they just know a baby's really fussy for over three hours, three times a week. There's some um, little uh, diagnosis thing for the non-diagnosis. But as we take in that air, well, we're going to aspirate some milk into our nasal cavity. That's going to lead to more inflammation. We're going to continue to physiologically breathe in through our mouth, which is going to become a psychological process as well. And so we're going to have difficulty changing that pattern because it's what we're used to. And as it just keeps going and going and going, I think I heard you guys mention in one of the podcasts about like the cartoon style mouth breather, the Napoleon dynamite or the Beavis and Butthead. I mean, there is a long face syndrome that comes with mouth breathing. So ultimately we put so much stress on our head, on our joints, on our whole body by mouth breathing from the very beginning. So when we treat um, individuals in our practice, we treat them a lot for oral restrictions in, in babies. We also treat a lot of oral restrictions. So tongue ties, lip ties, cheek ties in older kids and adults for clenching and grinding or sleep disordered breathing. And what I tell people when it comes to airway health is it's always a continuum. It's, it's oftentimes not just one thing. And that could mean involving an ENT for tonsils and adenoids to help establish nasal breathing or turbinate reduction or septum correction. And a lot of the things that we see in relationship to the head and neck have to do with the mouth and what happened during growth and development. So did the jaws develop to the proper size to fit all 32 teeth in the right position? Because if they did, in theory, we should have the proper airway from an oral airway or a nasal airway to breathe well. And if we don't, then we're going to run into issues throughout our lifespan. So so cool. And um, I love that you connected that all the way back to infancy. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Dr. Kevin Boyd. um, Yes. And uh, in some of his work uh, that he's he's doing in, in showing that you can actually start to see it um, from the ultrasound pictures, um, that you can see this well, the baby is in, is in, is in the womb, uh, you know, if they are going to develop with that recessed chin with a, uh, with impedance on the airway, um, and then, yeah, right, right, um, right away in infancy, uh, you know, you can see those things playing out, and, uh, and for, for those, um, lip and, uh, lip and tongue tie, uh, restrictions, so you do that in office yourself, that's correct? Yeah. So the way that I talk about these is exactly that. This isn't something that just showed up at birth. This is something that was present well while the fetus was developing. So there's a process called apoptosis, which is essentially the normal cell division of tissues. And what that's, that's like the webbing between our fingers and toes. It's the same thing in our mouth. And for a variety of reasons, some of, there's no one clear answer. And I, I think it's a combination the tissues underneath the tongue may not fully separate to allow proper tongue mechanics. A proper swallow pattern is up against the roof of the mouth. Our lips are sealed and we're not using compensatory muscles of our face. So we're not using our lips, we're not using our neck muscles. We're able to swallow with our tongue. Uh, And then what happens when these don't separate at 11 weeks in utero as they're supposed to is when the baby begins practicing swallowing, which they do at 20 weeks in utero, 
And then they begin that coordinated suck, swallow, breathe pattern at 32 weeks in utero is they've had a lot of practice doing something with a lot of compensations. So if you imagine that your feet are tied together, well, maybe you can shuffle along so you can still move, but can you really go for a really fast run? If you go ahead and you separate those shoelaces, you can't just go for a run without zero training. You're gonna be in that shuffle mode. You're gonna have those compensations that are built into your system from a physical standpoint and a neurological standpoint. You don't really know how to operate. So I tell people that this is something that is, uh, it needs to be corrected fairly early so we can try to get the baby back into proper mechanics. And the decision to breastfeed or not can be controversial, but I do look at breastfeeding as an incredible tool to aid in oral development. And as a mother who had to return to work fairly quickly, we obviously used bottles and we have stopped our breastfeeding journey with our son pretty early. We've continued it with our daughter for a longer period of time. And everybody's decision is personal and there are circumstances involved with it. But I do tell people that if we know that proper breastfeeding mechanics can be in play, that there's no compensations, that the swallow pattern's good, that the symptoms are minimal to none, then we know that we can continue to work on growth and development pretty normally through the lifespan. Um, so the separation of those tissues, if it doesn't occur, the way that we do it is we work with a body worker, so a chiropractor, an osteopath, a craniosacral therapist, or the like, to help with the body tension that's developed from this tight swallow pattern and from that recessed chin, from that tight neck musculature, from the tight shoulders, even from the birth experience itself, because that's pretty traumatic. And we also work with a functional provider to help build the mechanics of the tongue so that when we go to release the tissues, the tongue has the best possible idea that it could of what it's supposed to be doing. And then we use a soft tissue CO2 laser that ablates the tissue. So it doesn't actually contact the tissue, it makes it disappear. And in doing so, I'm able to get a release all the way back to the muscle. And that means uh, in, in, if you Google tongue tie, you're gonna hear things like anterior, posterior, complete release, incomplete release. We get a complete release back to the muscle. We take care of the anterior and posterior component of the tongue. And I truly feel that using a CO2 laser is the best tool available for infantile phrenectomies. That could be argued differently for adults and children, and that's okay. It's more the skill of the surgeon in those. But when we're operating on an infant, it needs to be fast and it needs to be able to be bloodless so that we're able to visualize the structures that we're supposed to stay away from and those we're supposed to operate on. Um, we then get them back into breastfeeding or functional feeding as quickly as we can. And then we just watch them grow. Um, so we, we try to address these early so that we can prevent some of the bigger stuff down the line. Uh, I, I just want to applaud everything that you just said. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and Dave, I don't know if I don't know I don't know if our listeners know your background in in dentistry, but this is something that's near and dear to your heart, obviously. Um, yes, and, and I've uh, co. Uh, I, so, uh, Dr. Liz, I would be uh, I would be the oral myofunctional therapist and the chiropractor helping along uh, yep. <laughs> in, uh, in many of those cases. Yes. Yep, so exactly. Yeah. And, Honestly, I mean, people like you are where our patients come from. Mom groups, body workers, skilled functional providers, because pediatricians are missing these all day, or they're saying they're mild. Same thing with ENTs and same thing with hospitals, even hospital lactation. If I hear one more time, they said the latch looks good in the hospital, I might die. 
Because how do you know the latch looks good if the baby's symptomatic, if the milk hasn't come in yet? Our country's pretty messed up in breastfeeding support and feeding yeah. support, also yeah. maternal support. So I'm all for the AAP guidelines changing to two years, but I also think that we put limitations and stressors on our moms and our mom's mental health by saying, okay, well now you should, you, we were told you you should do it for a year and that was already stressing you out. And now you should do it for two. And now that's even more stressful because we didn't give you the support to do it well. So it's really hard for you. Uh, so I don't know, we're just kind of messed up over here. Absolutely, yeah. And then when you go to, uh, yeah, well, my lactation consultant said that tongue ties aren't real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Read your research. And that's the thing is research is flawed, right? A lot of the research that we're looking at is flawed. I mean, we're looking at studies from a long time ago where there was maternal pain involved and people dropped out of the study. So then they said, oh yeah, they went and got treatment. And so you have the people that actually would have been beneficial for your study pulling out of the study because they couldn't tolerate the, the discomfort that they were experiencing for two more solid weeks. So we're working on research, the Breathe Institute, Dr. Bobby Gahiri, there's a ton of us out there that are really championing, uh, trying to get best practices in play so that we have a leg to stand on in the medical community, because I think that's where this comes from. But I will say like, you, we can't just look back on bad research and say, oh, we're not going to do this because they said it didn't work 30 years ago. How are we ever going to make change or progress if, if we don't stand up for um, getting better research? So funding for that, all those things. So, uh, but yeah, you've, you've had some experience with TMJ issues, TMD. Yes. And do you find that what you do from a chiropractic standpoint has benefit to TMD issues, things like that, and I, what you've done for variability. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, so with TMD patients, um, there's a there's always a functional issue uh, that goes along with it, and there's always a cervical issue that goes along with it. Um, it's it's never just this this joint hurts, uh, and and that's the only problem, right? I, and and you and you know this. Um, so when we start to correct the cervical spine, which leads to, well, we need to correct everything else, right? Um, and that can be all the way down to flat feet, uh, right? That can be affecting what's going on and vice versa, right? A uh, poor oral posture leads to poor posture through the rest of your body as well. Um, so absolutely, we have, to, we have to look at the patient as a whole. And that's what I love about what you, everything that you've been saying, right? It's not just this one part of the patient. Uh, we have to look at the patient as a whole and then, and we correct everything that, that needs to be. Uh, and oftentimes that's not just me, that's, uh, other practitioners getting involved, uh, a lot of the time as well, but, but yes, we are, um, we're focusing on the functional issues, uh, related to the oral muscles, um, as well as the neck muscles and, uh, and everything in the area from a chiropractic standpoint, um, from the myofunctional, uh, standpoint, um, and then if I do need to work with a dentist, I absolutely, uh, I absolutely will refer out. And oftentimes, um, I, I co-treat majority of my patients, uh, with somebody else. Um, and, uh, and then what we see with HRV is, is awesome. I, you know, as you would expect as a patient is in less pain, begins to breathe through their nose more, uh, you know, all of these things get better. You see HRV get better as well. Um, they heal, so a, right. Yeah. Uh, right. Bodies yeah. Heal. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool when you don't have something screaming at your nervous system all the time. This hurts, this stinks, uh, right? Even if it's a low level, we can, we can see that physical activity start to rise yeah. up. 
So, and in one of your episodes, you discussed nasal breathing and its benefits. And I go over that a lot with patients. I mean, we're looking at sympathetic versus parasympathetic activity. I mean, I look at kids and they're still wearing pull-ups when they're nine years old and that's not normal. They don't want to be wearing a pull-up. It's not that they're not potty trained. And we put so much on kids. We put so much on the person that we don't look at the big picture often. And so when I have a kid with nocturnal enuresis, which is bedwetting, who's older than they should be, and they've been potty trained for the day for a long time, I can look at their teeth and say, oh goodness, we have an issue going on here. So, and it's the same thing for adults getting up to use the bathroom multiple times. It's the same thing for women when I say, oh, how do you sleep? Oh, I wake up at three or four in the morning. Or I wake up in the middle of the night. I say, okay, it's probably around two or three, right? And you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And they're women in their 60s and they're fit and they're slender, but they've had premolar extractions because their jaws were never big enough to fit all their teeth. And their TMJ nightmares, their sleep nightmares, and it's just sad. I mean, people don't know that they have the opportunity to live better is one of the things that I run into often. I think in the medical community, so much about what we do and what we treat is how sick are you? Are you sick enough to warrant treatment? And that's the thing that bugs me about mild, moderate, severe apnea. When we get some of these individuals and I say, have you ever had a sleep test? Oh yeah, they said it was mild, so not to do anything. I'm like, yeah, but you still feel terrible, right? And they're like, oh yeah. Mildly getting choked. Yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, so we know sleep disordered breathing doesn't get better. It just gets worse. TMJ problems just get worse. So why don't we address them before they're bad enough that we can't fix them? Because some of these people are so far gone. Like my father-in-law, I love him dearly, but his CPAP is slowly it's it the flow has to go up. I mean, if he had jaw surgery right now, he wouldn't recover from it. So the older we get, the harder this stuff is to correct too. So it's really cool that you've, um, I mean, do you use any like postural orthotics, things like that for SI joint or um, SI joints and TMJ health? Um, so uh, so referring to uh, foot orthotics specifically? Um, or- no, like oral orthotics. Oh, oral orthotics. Um, oh, no, I, I'm sorry. I thought you were... Uh- um, no, I do not. Um, I will do exercises related, but no, I do not. I, if I, if I refer out to a dentist, uh, they may, uh, they may, uh, apply some of that, but no, I, uh, I do not specifically. Yeah. Do any of that. Some of that stuff is wild. Like some of the exercises and things that you're able to give and some of the adjustments you're able to do. I mean, people can move in like a whole different way than they've oh, ever. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's absolutely, uh, absolutely amazing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I can't say enough good about it. Um, how, so how does HRV guide your therapy at this point? Or what do you see with that? So what I do is when I send people home with the appliance, it, uh, it takes me, a few, it takes me about a week to get back to them with any results, right. but we look at the results and I say, okay, here's some validation for what you were feeling. And if there are a, a lot of times we need to find the point of restriction in their oral cavity or their nasal cavity that's causing them to not breathe well. And I can look at some of the results that I have and clearly say, okay, I can tell that there's upper airway resistance going on here based of your anatomy and, and the fact that you're not getting into REM sleep. So you have a REM sleep deficiency or your sleep cycles are all messed up or you're just completely fragmented and unstable the entire time. And that's gonna just show us, so the uh, heart rate spikes and everything that we're looking at, these micro arousals are what's going to contribute to clenching and grinding. It's going to contribute to laryngopharyngeal reflux or LPR, which is collapse of the airway due to some type of resistance somewhere. 
And a lot of times that's in the nasal cavity. So I can look at the shape of people's palates and say, okay, I suspect that there's a deviation to your septum, whether or not you got hit in the face playing rugby or not. And then we run a CBCT on them. We see if their airway is essentially patent, but narrow. And we can find out if some type of a, we start small. So a lot of times it's starting with myofunctional therapy and a nasal breathing protocol. If we can't find out that people can nasal breathe, if we can't get them breathing through their nose and the more you breathe through the nose, the more able you are to breathe through your nose, then we send them to an ENT because there's something going on there. Maybe they need a deviated septum repair. Maybe they have some type of an adhesion. Maybe they have um, enlarged turbinates that need to be reduced and they're not reducing. In children, tonsils and adenoids are a huge player. We finally have a paper in 2022 that by Audrey Yoon that shows us that we can actually get tonsil and adenoids to reduce in size with maxillary expansion. So upper jaw expansion, which is going to increase the ability to nasal breathe. So even down to children, we're seeing this. So we can use that data to say, okay, I can see that there's something going on here. I can correlate that to the patterns that I'm seeing in your mouth from acid erosion or tooth wear, or musculature activity, TMJ problems. And we can say, all right, well, is nasal breathing going to work for you? Okay, well, yeah, we got you through that. You're still feeling bad, but you're feeling a little bit better. We know we're on the right track. Let's move on to some type of an oral appliance. Let's move on to some orthodontics to expand your arch form. Let's move on to uh, an appliance that can help stabilize your lower jaw. And maybe that appliance, the sleep appliance is just a band-aid, but if it gets people feeling better and it saves their life, then I'd call that a success. I tell people whenever we put something in your mouth, I'd like to have a resolution strategy in place because if in three years you wake up and you don't want this piece of plastic in your mouth anymore, I want you to know that there are other options. And unfortunately in a grown adult, many of those options are surgical or they do involve moving the skeleton or moving teeth. But if somebody's gotten that far and they're ready to take that next step, then good for them. I applaud them and I can help them find the right person. For instance, my husband, who after my son was a mess and my father-in-law almost died, I did a sleep test on him and he's tall, slender, and you would never suspect he has sleep apnea, but he came back as severe. And all anybody wanted to do for him was put him on medication to help him sleep. So he wakes up and he just lays there and lays there and lays there and he's got all these health issues, but he's the happiest guy in the whole world. So no one would ever know it. He just wants to feel better. So we've done oral appliances. We've done myofunctional therapy. We've done a tongue tie release. We brought his apnea from severe to mild to moderate, but he still feels awful. So he's going to Stanford in a few months and he's going to have jaw surgery. And right before he goes there, he's going to meet with an Atlas orthogonist and have a cervical adjustment so that he can have his head on straight to go through his procedure in the best possible way. So, but I, I've given him full autonomy in making the decisions because again, I think airway is something that somebody who is looking for treatment needs to be aware of and want the treatment because I, unlike a cavity or a broken ankle that needs to be fixed, I think the, the stuff that goes on in our heads and the decisions we make uh, can be really personal and sometimes people aren't ready to move forward with certain things. So you just got to meet people where they're at. But yeah, so we use those daily in our lives, um, in, our, in our practice to just give people validation on what they're feeling. And a lot of times I'll use the heart rate variability to, to just get somebody to a sleep doctor to get on CPAP because I'm scared they're going to die tomorrow. And it's really, really sad to say that, but you you can go to the grocery store and pick people out or the airport and just say, oh goodness, that guy's yes. he's not doing well. 
So yes. like their colors off, they're all sweaty. I mean, that's me, but. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I love that. Uh, <laughs> so much about, well, you, um, you had said, uh, you know, like the typical way that you think of a person, right? Overweight, uh, you know, is, is not always the person I sleep apnea. Like people like yourself, um, mm -hmm. you know, tall, slender females uh, are also like a, a, a large amount of people who have obstructive sleep apnea, shockingly, right? Because uh, yes. you wouldn't look at people like that and say that person has sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I love the, uh, your whole UARS conversation. Uh, so upper airway resistance. Um, and, um, and when you get into that, yes, it is just, you can pick that out from a mile, mile away and people always equate snoring to good quality sleep uh, when it is actually quite the opposite. And that's a, a whole nother thing in itself. Um, but, uh, but with the CPAP machines, um, and I think you were saying your father-in-law, uh, you got from, uh, or that was your husband, you said, got from severe yeah. to mild. They both got one now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And that's, um, and it's, it, you know, and it can be life-saving in the moment, but, you know, I, I'm sure you're familiar with this, that in other countries, uh, a CPAP is like a last resort, right? It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's, you have to go through all these other things before you get to this. Whereas we just jump to, here's this here's sleep mm -hmm. medication, here's that. Mm -hmm. you know, so it would be, uh, it, it would be great. Uh, you know, it's, it's awesome that the, sh the tides are kind of shifting with that, but, uh, in regards to CPAP, that's, uh, I, I have successfully helped people go from severe sleep apnea to not requiring a sleep, a CPAP machine at all anymore. Um, yep. and I always encourage people, uh, that if they can get an oral appliance from a, from a dentist, like a mandibular advancement device, um, to help with sleep apnea, that it is so much better than using a CPAP machine because they're still breathing. Uh, they're still actually doing the work themselves uh, versus when you, uh, when you see the CPAP machine, um, you know, potentially developing a, a central sleep apnea uh, mm -hmm. pairing along with that at times. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's great. And I, I, love, uh, I love the work that the dentists are doing in, uh, in this area. You, you guys are just awesome. Yeah, COVID changed a lot, I think, for our, 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 our profession uh, in terms of looking at overall health, even some of the studies that were coming out in nitric oxide and treatment of COVID, because it was being, I think it was used for another of the viruses that are in the same lines. It, nitric oxide is in nasal breathing is uh, essentially the root of our health. If anybody's heard of the book Breath, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners have, we have it just sitting in our front office because people will point to it and they'll be like, oh yeah, I read that book. It's pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, uh, you want to talk about it yet? And we have patients where I, I bought a general dentistry practice in 2020 and it, it was just this just amazing practice with this incredible patient base. It had been here for 27 years. So we see children and uh, adults and grandparents who've been coming here for years and years and years. And so I don't want to scare anyone away in the sense that I don't want to walk in and be like, you have sleep apnea, you need to go get this fixed right away. But we do plant seeds all day long. And my myofunctional therapist has had some tremendous success in converting people who didn't realize that they had some oral myofunctional disorder, which is ultimately going to be related to sleep disorders and HRV because your tongue posture, even when you're awake is important. She's had a tremendous success in converting a lot of our general dentistry practice into airway patients because they're interested in learning more about their own health. And I think people since COVID are a little bit more ready to take ownership of their own health 
as opposed to just looking at what their medical doctor was able to offer them with their lab values and things like that. But it, it is cool when I start to talk to cardiologists and nephrologists around this stuff. I mean, I, I feel like they're more open to what I do than even some of the ENTs I work with um, because they, they're, they don't think tonsils come from, ton, enlarged tonsillinoids come from mouth breathing. They think it's an immune response. And, and to me, that's frustrating because I'm like, where did the immune response come from? It, it came from mouth breathing. Ultimately, did the immune response cause them to get bigger? Probably, but it's all interconnected. So if we just look at one piece of the puzzle and throw a CPAP at somebody, we're, we're never going to make progress in getting people healthier because all CPAPs should be coupled with myofunctional therapy. I mean, we know that muscle tone is going to be impacted for the negative by continuous positive pressure. Our soft palate's going to get longer. Our snoring is going to get worse. And the central sleep apnea is going to come. It's just when. So tone the muscles, try to prevent stuff. I mean, we work on training the rest of our body. Why don't we work on training our mouths too? Indeed. There's my soapbox. Oh my god! No, I'm loving this. Can't get enough. No, Um, take me to a party and give me two glasses of wine and hear what I talk about. Like, oh, where's your tongue sitting? That's what my wife says. She goes, just go stand in the corner. I know. I had a a girlfriend out in Washington text me, text a group of us the other day, and she's like, "Do you ever just look at your kids' yearbook and think, uh oh?" this could be a problem. And like, uh, all day, I'm just really glad that like we have each other in nationally because there are people that are just like, you're straight weird, but it's like you said, you guys are put on this earth for something. And I finally feel like I found my something, but it is cool. I mean, this is my own boy, but I use my family as experiments all the time. Um, for the positive, I mean, my own boy, he, I did, uh, cardiopulmonary coupling. So HRV on him and it came back with an apnea score of 10 the medical community would berate me because I never had it read by a medical physician. I never went and had him have a PSG, but I'm busy. And I knew that I could either take him to have his tonsillinoids removed, or I could expand his maxilla because I knew it was high vaulted and narrow and see what happened. And so I did. And in three months, we've taken his apnea from a 10 to a one. He no longer wets the bed. He no longer sleeps with his neck extended. Uh, with his mouth open, on his belly, flipping and flopping and covers everywhere. He used to wake up at 9.30. Now he's waking up in the garage at 7 a.m. looking for ice cream. Uh, so I don't know if this is good or bad, but careful what you wish yeah. for. Right? So, and he sleeps so quietly, he went from snoring to you actually have to put your mouth down or your ear down near his mouth to see if he's breathing because he sleeps so peacefully. And to me, that's a success. If I've changed one life, then that's awesome. But if I can change more, I really want to help. And I think dentists have a unique opportunity. We see people more than we see our medical physicians. You guys as chiropractors see people more than that. I mean, you go to your doctor, your doctor gets six minutes with you because they're on the clock because they get $3 for their medical reimbursement. So our system's just wacky and you got to look other, other places if you want to get healthy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Look, look at the people who, like you said, see them, see them all the time. And uh, yeah, in terms of using your, your family as uh, as Guinea pigs, uh, <laughs> absolutely. That's um, I, uh, my son, it gets me so upset, uh, you know, doing what I do and knowing what I know uh, that he will breathe through his mouth when he's, uh, when he's sleeping. So I will tape his mouth shut. And my wife is like, you are insane. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I'm, helping I a- I'm helping him. What are you talking and- about? And in my consult room, I have a picture of my boy with his lips taped. I have the picture. So it's taped vertically, 
But I say, this isn't something I recommend you do for your child until we know that you can have the nasal breathe because I don't want to get sued. But also because <laughs> I think a lot of these kids can't nasal breathe. They don't know how. But when it comes to adults, I think it's a very clear, you tape your lips shut three, uh, five minutes before you go to bed. If you feel like you're going to die, take the tape off. If you don't go to sleep with a little piece of tape vertically. So you have a little escape hatch or these tapes, they're fabricated with holes in them. So you're going to be able to breathe through your mouth. If you have to, you will not die in your sleep from taping your lips shut with a piece of uh, gentle medical tape. If you leave a gap. Um, and then if you're comfortable with it and you feel better, which you will, and if you don't, there's something wrong with your nose, then you, we send you to an ENT, uh, then take the next step. So go in and have an evaluation for orthodontics or for uh, oral appliance. But I don't know. I think that book Breath really brought another light to this as it was written by a journalist who went on this journey on his own. And he really opened the door for a lot of patients to be like, oh gosh, I don't feel like my dentist is lecturing me about where my tongue's sitting anymore. Cause it was some guy dropping the F-bomb in his, in his book that actually made them feel validated in what they were feeling. And it's awesome. I love him. So. Yeah, it's a great book. Great book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sleep by James, uh, by James Nestor, uh, or breathe, I'm sorry, breathe by James yeah. Nestor. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so so one question I have, um, and maybe not a question, but just kind of something to to discuss a little bit. You talked a lot about using HRV and in sort of diagnosing and, and and sort of getting kind of upfront assessment from from patients. One of the things that you know a lot of dentists have reached out to us about is sort of that that follow up, right? As you continue to treat them, <clears throat> provide them with more options to alleviate some of the the problems that are causing you know, all the symptoms that we've talked about, you know, being tired and, and you know, all the things that, that have been discussed, you know, using it as a tool to start to show them, hey, this is working, right? And, yep. and, and here's your nervous system response to your newfound ability to breathe better, to sleep better, um, you know, with your, your passageways being more open and, you know, all the things, again, that, that have already been talked about, you know, sort of in that follow-up and, and having not just the qualitative, yeah, I feel a lot better, which is, super important, obviously, that's what we're doing it for, but then having the quantitative metric to say, not only you're feeling better, but your nervous system is proving that, that, that it's functioning better, you're able to you know, manage your day-to-day -day life in a way that you, you weren't before because you weren't sleeping well and you were experiencing all these symptoms. So um, you know, I think that's something important to, to sort of bring up to the audience as well as you know, it can be used pre, post, and sort of everywhere in between to not only assess, but then, um, you know, continue to track progress once some of these interventions happen. For sure. And that's where the sleep image devices is great because there's, there's no disposable. So I send them home with the ring. I can do multiple nights. Um, high pulse oximetry is great. That's again, what Jeff Rouse at Spear is, is teaching and advocating for. I mean, those devices are inexpensive. And then the other beautiful thing is people have their own devices. Now you guys sucked me in and I finally bought something. I didn't want to be too aware because I'm too aware already. So, um, but I, I've tried different appliances in my mouth. I'm doing expansion, all sorts of different things. So I like to get that data along the way. And I think a lot of our patients, a lot of our engineers, I mean, people are smart, right? They can take their own information and they can process it how they want. And to give them that, that data on, uh, in conjunction with some type of treatment. I mean, maybe they just invested in a full mouth rehab and they're like, I think I feel better. 
well, you know, you just dropped $70,000 and you have your $300 ring that you wear. Take your readings from six months ago from in where you are now and just know that you're in a better place and your, your dental restorations, your dental devices can help you. And that's where I think dentists listening, like there's, there can be ROI on this depending on where you want to go with it. Um, so in that ROI could just be you not losing money because your dentistry failed because we missed something. So that's uh it, yep, it's that's well said. it's so funny you say that um so my mom uh who's a uh, a chronic marathoner um <laughs> she just had a uh she just had an implant done and mm-hmm. um and her uh her dentist who i who i know well uh, as well i he uh he goes because she's supposed to run 18 miles tomorrow mm-hmm. and he goes do not run tomorrow because her last one failed because she ran, uh, you know, a, a large amount of mileage uh, mm-hmm. you know, the whole week thereafter and it failed. Yeah. And, and he was like, I'm not saying it's because you ran, but the running probably didn't help. Right. Yep. And um, anyway, I was at breakfast uh, with her just this morning and, uh, and she had just gotten it done a couple of days ago. And she goes, she goes, do you think it's okay if I just run tomorrow? She's like, I feel fine. She's like, there's nothing going on. I'm like, mom, look at your HRV. <laughs> and, uh, cause of course I have my mom tracking her HRV on a daily basis. Um, yes. and, and we could see when she had, when she had the work done, we could see the dip and we could see that she was still low. So it see, was that's a very, so cool. yeah. And it was a very easy, no, don't run tomorrow. Yeah. I <laughs> wish I'd used the technology. Yeah. I wish I'd used it personally over the last, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I get it because runners are dumb. We're dumb. We do dumb things. I'm a retired <laughs> marathoner. I came out of retirement. I ran a race down a mountain a few weeks ago, just to see if I could with zero training, mainly because my kids just watch men's sports all day. Cause my husband and I was like, women can do cool stuff too. I couldn't walk for like seven days afterwards, which was, it was the worst race I've ever run. And I used to be pretty decent, but I also think if I had this technology or utilize this technology back when I was training hard at altitude and racing at sea level, like how well could I have done from an HRV technology standpoint, but also with awareness of nasal breathing. Cause I had no idea. And I was a chronic mouth breather. Um, so I think we have a huge opportunity from an athlete perspective as well, which I'm super excited about. And it's super excited to get into that space a little bit more just as the awareness grows. But yes, and to get over our own heads too with that, right? Like, well, I feel, I feel fine. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's so much, it's so much more validating when yeah. you look at a number and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I may feel like, one way, but my yeah. body's telling me something different. Yeah. And I, uh, and uh, Liz, I don't know if you know, um, uh, with, I, I'm sure you and Jeff have talked about that as well, but, uh, but with our, with our dashboard, with our web dash, you can look at any of your patients at any time that are taking their HRV on a daily basis. No um, way. That's so cool. I didn't know it, that. Yeah. Uh, well, now we have to yell at Jeff, right? But, exactly. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but uh, I, I, I conjure into doing this at the tail, like last two minutes of my last appointment. No, so, I think I conjure uh, into it. Courtney, my myofunctional therapist was like, you know, he does podcasts on HRV, right? I was like, no, I don't know this. Tell me more. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, I was like, and floss more. So, yeah, right. what, exactly. <laughs> um, so what we can do and what I have uh, my patients do um, and a lot of my friends and family too is um is they take their HRV on a daily basis uh and and as soon as that reading completes it is instantaneously available for me to see on our dashboard 
Um, so if somebody has, you know, a couple days of low reading, even though I'm not in contact with them, right? If I can see that they're trending down for this week, that's a great indication for me as their healthcare provider to reach out to them and see what's going on, right? Because if they are if they are beginning to battle illness, if they are beginning to, you know, I, you know, if they're overtraining, you know, whatever it may be, I can help guide them back out of that, right? And it's another opportunity, another touch point for us as healthcare providers to to form that bond uh, that much better when when we can say, hey, even though you might not be coming to my office this week, or even though you might not be coming to my office this month, I still got my eyes on you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, for me, I like to, uh, I like to be close to my patients, right? So I will, I will literally shoot an email, uh, shoot a text and say, hey, man, you know, I saw you got two, three days, uh, you're dropping down, what's going on? Ah, yeah, you know, I haven't been feeling well, you know, this and that's going on, or, you know, I have all this stuff going on with work, I have this and that uh, happening with life. And then we can guide them, we can give them some actionable items and say, and say, okay, well, why don't we tone down XYZ? And why don't we turn up some of some of the good love, uh, you know, that you can bring into your life, um, and just helping patients through that, that is, uh, they just love you forever. Uh, when, when you're, when you're there for them in the tough times. Um, but, you know, even, uh, even so just being, just having that power of being able to look at your patients at any time and see where they're at. Uh, you know, if you did it, if you did something with a, with a patient, like a, you know, like an implant, like my mom, for example, <laughs> you can look and say, and say, oh, how is she recovering? And you can also look and say, I told her to not run and she did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Especially, I mean, we are getting a ton of referrals for TMD, for airway health, for myofunctional therapy. I think even just some baselines on the beginning stages when people first come in the door to the end of their myofunctional journey, whether that include a tongue tie release or not, um, could be really interesting to see how their HRV changes. Because right now we just use our our sleep image device, but the idea that somebody could be tracking that daily, because I mean, what I tell people is this is just a snapshot in time. It's like a tiny little chunk of time. Whereas if you have your own HRV stuff, then you can continue to just work on improving and know those little dips. So yeah, we actually, um, so my husband's having jaw surgery in September and he's having a procedure called dome. It's minimally invasive. So distraction, osteogenesis, maxillary expansion, but they go through your nose. So they don't have to like flap your face or anything weird. Um, and they can actually do a procedure that doesn't elicit much discomfort, but I would be really curious to see how he heals from it. So we have some, um, we're going to start using HRV to kind of track his journey with that. Um, and also trying to transition off of the CPAP type of thing. So he loves when I talk about him. That would be so cool. I go, look at his face, look at him. He's a mess. And he's like, thanks. Yeah. I don't even know this person. So I'm standing so, right here. Yeah. yeah no kidding. And he just smiles. He just gives this big smile. He's like, yeah, I'm a mess. I'm like, oh, yeah, at least you own it now. So, but we all are messes in our own way. So no, that's it. Exactly. Who is it? Right? Is that Rob Relly uh, that you guys are using for the jaw surgery? Uh, Stanley Liu at Stanford. Okay. So, um, they put out a ton of research, which is super fun. And I love listening to him lecture, but there are some really great surgeons in, in, in our country and internationally. Uh, and it's hard because not everybody has the same idea about things. And some are best at one thing. Some are best at others. Some don't like doing some things. I mean, and then medical insurance comes into play too. Some are in network, some are out. So 
a lot of times we have individuals who are coming and they, they'd like some treatment, but sometimes I have to send them, you know, across the country for an evaluation. So it's yes. tough, but that's why we treat kids and we treat them young. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Avoid these situations. Yeah. Yeah. Proactivity is always best, right? Well, good. Um, have I answered you guys' questions? Is yeah, this has been so fantastic. Oh my gosh, Thanks yeah, for we're already uh, <laughs> so much time with us. Um, really appreciate it. Eye-opening. I think a lot of listeners are going to be <clears throat> taking some actions on some things that they didn't even consider before. Yeah, um, if you're looking for I... airway-focused functional dentists, uh, there's a website called Ask the Dentist, and that's a good place to start. Even if they're not an airway focused dentist, they may have an idea of where you could go. Um, otherwise find a local myofunctional therapist because every myofunctional therapist is a dentist they work with. And they know if they're doing releases, if they're doing expansion, if they see the kids, if they see adults. So um, find a myofunctional therapist, go and ask the dentist. Those are ways that you can find uh, other individuals who are in this space because not everybody is. And you can't fault providers that just don't know what they don't know. I didn't know for a long time and there's still a lot I don't know. So we're always learning. That's it. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much. This has been enlightening for me and I'm sure for a lot of our listeners, um, you know, dentists interested in optimal HRV for their practice. You reach out, love to love to connect and, and talk about how we can support the work that you're doing as well. Uh, best of luck to your husband and the procedure coming up in September. I hope you're not awoken to any uh, alarms going off with kids trying to uh, grab ice cream in the, at 6 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, Dr. Liz, thanks so much. It was such a thanks pleasure. Thanks again, guys. It. It's so fun. I appreciate it. Uh, great to Absolutely. meet you. Absolutely. Thanks, yeah, Dr. You Dave. Too. Good talking to you as well. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, OptimalHRV.com if you're interested in learning more or listening to any of our other podcasts.